This is a journey into sound. Are you ready? Let's go. Evan Mack. Miss Fat Booty Radio is a terrific radio station on Pandora, by the way. <laughs> Ross Reed. What the hell are you doing wearing jeans and Timberlands on hey, a Tim's. boat? This is the Mac and Reed Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Podcast right here on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you stream us. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. You can follow us on social media. Follow me at The Real Evan Mac and follow Ross at Ross Reed. Don't forget to follow our page on Instagram as well at Mac and Reed Podcast. Hello, Ross. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. A happy 2021 to you. A Merry New Year. Happy 2021 to you as well. It's a new year, new you, and we have a lot to talk about in our first podcast of the new year as Ross is multitasking and his mask in his Orange Theory studio and and I in my own home studio here. And a lot to get to, as I mentioned, we got to talk about the Bears blowing it against the Saints and now the fallout after that. What's next for the Bears as far as coaching, as far as personnel, as far as attacking the draft, as far as... A GM, if Ryan Pace sticks around, who knows? We'll get Ross's thoughts on that, on the game on Nickelodeon, and more NFL playoff recap as well as we've advanced to the divisional round past Super Wild Card weekend, and we'll talk about all the action from that and look ahead to the divisional round, which should have some great games, the eight games upcoming this weekend, and talk about, of course, the College Football National Championship with Alabama beating Ohio State and how loaded Alabama is yet again every year and Nick Saban with six rings to him, man. Incredible. We'll have some quick hits with Chicago athletes on the moves, retiring, and probably touch on occupying the Capitol building, which was a what-the-fuck moment that we thought might we might have seen in 2020. But here we are. Surprises along the way. And here we are, Ross. We'll start with the Bears, of course, playing the Saints. You knew that this team had a chance going into the football game this past Sunday where the Bears had played the Saints before, played them to overtime, albeit without, I believe that was without Drew Brees at the time, uh, with Taysom Hill being the featured quarterback there. And taking it to overtime, still losing, of course. But this was a, a different affair, and the Bears limping into it with with a few injuries. You didn't have Roquan Smith. You didn't have Jalen Johnson. You uh, didn't have a couple other key players there. And, you know, the defense, we knew what to expect. It was a next-man-up mentality. We saw that David Montgomery was healthy, luckily. So the Bears' offense, at least, seemed to go into it at, at relatively full strength, I should say, without Darnell Mooney, who was a, a force to be reckoned with um, during the season. I think a nice up-and-coming player, some talent there. But, you know, it, it was up and down to start the the game. Of course, we will remember most recently the Javon Wims drop when the Bears could have went ahead early on there. and. And could have went up seven nothing, and then build some momentum from there, and a nice pass from Trubisky, and Wims could have got a nice revenge play there after he got ejected in that New Orleans Saints game uh, earlier in the regular season. But he dropped it, went through his hands. Uh, you moved on, and 
And the Saints offense certainly didn't look like world beaters. Drew Brees looked pretty old. The the Bears defense was able to settle in and and cause a, a takeaway here and a stop there where they put the offense in position. But, you know, regardless of certain plays and, and highlights or lowlights for the Bears standpoint, I, I think what I remember is, and coming back to the regular season standpoint as well, is this coaching has just been so unfortunate when you have some talent at the wide receiver position you have david montgomery who went over a thousand yards and, and alan robinson who i'm alluding to who went over a thousand yards this season this past season and who was a pro bowl snub probably an all pro in my opinion the way he was able to get this done with two different fucking quarterbacks just uh being a pretty dominant threat there and you know an offensive line who is definitely had a lot of moving pieces around there, and and that was tough for Trubisky to gain any consistency and Nick Foles and the team for that matter, and and there was a losing streak there, a winning streak here. But ultimately, you come up short, and Matt Nagy still doesn't have a playoff win. Ryan Pace really under the microscope here. Let's talk about the game, though, Ross. What what were your impressions, and, and what was the Bears undoing? I certainly allude to coaching going back to that with Matt Nagy. And, you know, we were supposed to see this Kansas City Chiefs offense. We didn't see a lot of shots from Trubisky. We didn't see a lot of guts. We didn't see a, a really competitive finish to the game, really. So, number one, like, my thoughts on the game were um, I, I thought the defense shorthanded actually played pretty well. Yeah. They, they kept them in that game for a long time. It was 7-3 to three for a very long time there before things kind of opened up a little bit. But when you can kind of slow down that New Orleans offense who – I know Drew Brees is older and he's got some cracked ribs, but they still have Michael Thomas who came back. They have Alvin Kamara on that backfield, Taysom Hill, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders. There are still pieces on that on that uh, New Orleans offense for them to be able to put up some points. And they're at home. Yeah. They're, they're on that turf. So I thought, shout out to the defense. I played shorthanded without Roquan Smith. They haven't had Eddie Goldman all year. That's been that's shown. Really tough. Jalen Johnson out there, Buster Screen, so on and so forth. Offensively, you know, the offensive line has been a mess all year. They really couldn't get anything going for David Montgomery. And, you know, the biggest play of the game early on was that uh, Javon Wims drop. Because if he makes that catch, that there's just a different complexion of that ball game. It's a perfect play call. I don't know who's calling the plays. Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, I don't know. Whoever it is. Yeah. Um, right. Somebody called that play. Somebody dialed up the perfect play. It was the perfect pass from Trubisky. And he flat out dropped it. If he makes that catch then you don't know what happens for the rest of that game because I think that the, that was a very winnable game for the Bears. Now, as you zoom out a little bit and you take a look at that game this season and over the last four years, I, I've been preaching this for a while now, but the Bears don't have, um, outside of Allen Robinson, uh, any true game-changing players on offense. Um, and most notably, they don't have it at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So... Quarterback's the most important position in all the sports. Um, you're not going to win a Super Bowl these days without a dynamic quarterback. We saw that last year. Jimmy Garoppolo had a chance to, to beat Pat Mahomes. He misses a throw. Pat Mahomes makes the throw. That, that, is, that is literally the difference these days. You see the guys who are left in the playoffs, there's some big-time names. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Right, so on and so forth. Even Baker Mayfield has stepped up this year. So the Bears have got to get better at the quarterback position if they want to move forward in the playoffs. I don't care who's calling the plays. 
Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor. It could be Bill Walsh out there. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're just not going to get it done. And, and Mitchell Trubisky, uh, I, I thought he struggled on Sunday. I didn't think he was terrible. But you could tell he can't really push the ball down the field. Couple that with the fact that they didn't have their outstanding rookie, uh, Darnell Mooney, yep. who's out with an injury. Um, Anthony Miller has been a massive disappointment throughout his Bears career and makes a huge boneheaded play as he get kicked out of that football game. Um, Jimmy Graham is a kind of a one-trick red zone pony at this point in his career. And, and Cole Komet is you know, he's a rookie, and it, it takes uh, rookie tight ends a while to develop. So the Bears just didn't have enough talent, in my, in my opinion, on offense. And I know a lot of people want to blame coaching and blame Matt Nagy, but, you know, that Kansas City offense, the reason why it hums so well is they got the MVP. They got the $450 million quarterback. Sure. And they got a top two tight end in the league in Travis Kelsey. And they got Tyreek Hill, who's a game changer. And they've got, you know, backs and they've got an outstanding offensive line. And they've got, you know, guys like McCall Hardman who can blow the top off the defense. They have flat out talent on that team. And I think until the Bears get some talent uh, from the quarterback position on down, they're just going to struggle on offense. And that's just who this team is, unfortunately. I think I could see both sides of it. Certainly Trubisky was not doing well. Uh, I think he wasn't mistake prone like we've seen him before, but he didn't crack 200 yards. He only threw that one touchdown late in the game to Jimmy Graham, which was just garbage time. And I, I see both sides of it. Cause I get it. Like there's a pro bowl player laden roster with the Kansas city chiefs who are now that dynasty who look like they could easily repeat super bowl appearances and go and be a threat for years to come. And I, I want to give Mitch Trubisky a fair shake, but also at this point, you know, you've gone on the record saying you don't see him coming back as the Bears quarterback next year. So now looking at the larger scope of things, I, I don't know what the answer is. If if you get rid of a Nick Foles and a Trubitsky, if you can get rid of either of them and then go and draft a quarterback. Now we know that the Bears are going to draft probably 20th. But going back to that game, yeah, too, they, I think they have 20th overall, 20th overall. Right. So 20th overall yeah. pick. I mean, who knows who they would uh, target if it would be the BYU kid, if it would be back Jones, if they would go for a quarterback or if you, you know, see about trading Khalil Mack or, or trying to blow this up. I don't know where you start, where the, where you begin from that. As far as the game goes, I think that, you know, to put a pin on that aspect of things that. Penalties hurt them early on. That Cole Komet penalty where he threw the ball to the ref and they said he was throwing it at a player was just kind of bullshit from a Bears fan perspective. I think if you took a third-party view to it, you'd say that that was kind of trash in itself too. And, you know, that took momentum out and, and they had to settle for a field goal. And then you look at just, you know, character of this team. They let little things get to him too often when you saw, especially with, with the Saints, obviously with Javon Wims, going out in that regular season game against the Saints and and hitting a guy in the helmet repeatedly and then getting ejected from the game. You saw something similar with Anthony Miller. I don't think you should get ejected for doing something like that where you just kind of pushed him away. I don't think that's ejection worthy. I think it's an unsportsmanlike conduct worthy, but if it's contact to the helmet, that's what it is. And, and I get that, but there was just, it was too much of the same thing that we've seen from this Bears team repeatedly where the defense is just put on its heels so many times. And that's why I circle back to, I, I don't know. And again, like posing the question, Ross, if you think Matt Nagy's job is more safe than Ryan Pace's or Mitch Trubitsky, can you pick any of these guys to come back or should they all go? 
I don't think Trubisky comes back just because the Bears are invested financially in Nick Foles next year. Um, right now, signing, with him being way. on the roster next year, yeah. yeah, right now with him being on the roster next year, he's got about a six million dollar cap hit, which not is bad. about not on bad. par for a backup. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. Yeah. If they want to release him, that balloons up to fourteen million dollars. Um, so the only way you can really get out of a Nick Foles situation is if you traded him. And I don't see any team around the league that's willing to trade for Nick Foles right now. Um, so I think the Bears are stuck with Nick Foles. Um, Mitchell Trubisky can probably command anywhere between a Jacoby Brissett uh, type of deal or a Marcus Mariota type of deal. That's anywhere between you know one year, $10 million, to two years, $15 million. What I'm trying to say is I don't think the Bears are willing to pump $20 million next year into two quarterbacks who they probably both hate. <laughs> so I, I think, I think Trubisky is gone. I, I think we saw him play his last snap snap as a bear. I think that was uh, the writing was on the wall though, when mm-hmm. they did trade for Nick Foles and decided not to pick up Trubisky's option. The million dollar question becomes um, what happens with Pace and Matt Nagy. Um, I'm okay with cleaning house. I, I think that eight and eight is mediocre. I don't see a, a solid future for both these guys. And I actually like both these guys. I, I've defended both of them, but you know, you, you are what your record is and you are what your results are. And it, that's proven over the last couple of years that you know, these guys are, are average at best. Um, so if the Bears wanted to blow it up, I don't have a problem with that. Now, will they? I personally don't think so. I, I, I think that... Um, Michael McCaskey and, and the McCaskey family uh, runs it back with them. I think you'll see a structural change in Chicago. I think Ted Phillips will either um, retire or he'll get a new title as president of business operations. Um, I can see Ryan Pace kind of get elevated to a VP of operations, kind of like overseeing the whole thing. And maybe they bring in a new person that does that deals with strictly the roster and uh, fixing the roster and, and, and getting it back. As for Matt Nagy, um, I, I, I think that he has two years left on his deal, um, and I don't see the Bears moving on from that. Of course, I could yep. be wrong, but I think other guys on Matt Nagy's staff are going to be the fall guys, so to speak. I think he will replace Chuck Pagano um, as the defense has taken a step back uh, over the last two years from the dominant defense that they were two years ago. Um, and very key players like Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson – um, have looked bad, not bad, but they've looked uh, average at best, yeah. below average, when these were guys who we thought were all pro football players. Um, I also think that you, you talked about Wims and, and Anthony Miller and them losing the cool um, and stuff like that, and I, and I see the lack of um, development from the Bears' young wide receivers outside of Darnell Mooney, but uh, uh, Riley really has not taken a step. Wims has not taken a step. Miller is a second-round pick. He has not taken a step forward. So I think that um, also wide receiver coach Mike Furry um, could be on the chopping block as well as they look to kind of replace that. But um, I think that all the other pieces of that coaching staff would be back. Nagy, Laser, DiFilippo, and my personal opinion, I think the Bears keep Foles, and I think they draft a quarterback early uh, in draft. Um, if you want to stay at 20, um, you can probably look for a Trey Lance. Um, you know, he might be available in that range. Maybe even if you have to move up for a couple picks to go get him, the young man out of Boise State, same school that Josh Allen went to, who, who's excelling right now for the Buffalo Bills. Um, or you might be able to sneak in and, and at the top part of the second uh, second round, find yourself a Mac Jones, who, you know, I know he has elite talent around him in, in Alabama, but 
he threw for, for 500 yards or whatever yesterday in the national championship game and had like six touchdowns. Right. Um, you know, so I, but I do think the Bears will bring in a rookie to pair with McFoles um, and run it back with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace in some capacity. That's my prediction. Now, literally, as we're doing this, things are very fluid and it could change at any moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think the personnel is more likely to change than the management at this point because look at last year is kind of a disappointment for the Bears you figure then one of those guys we mentioned in Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy might be let go and, and who knows what happens with that defense the, the play calling going forward if Matt Nagy will hire a new OC and stick with Bill Lazor it remains to be seen and Ryan Pace it's just been very up and down and we know where he stands on certain guys going big on Mitch Trubisky and then we also know where he stands on drafting guys like Leonard Floyd and Roquan Smith and and good role players on defense Jalen Johnson this past year Uh, when you made a big trade for Khalil Mack and you put yourself in a pretty tough position to not have any first rounders or second rounders and then uh, finally when this rolls around this draft will be very telling we know this offensive line needs help we know that um, there needs to be more skill position players as you mentioned Ross certainly the wide receiver position we don't know what's going to happen with Allen robinson's contract when he is certainly he said himself uh, i thought something should have been done in 365 days uh, alluding to a contract extension if i'm him probably asking for a trade at this point and finally getting to play with a good quarterback somewhere if i'm him uh, but maybe he has some you know loyalty to this bears organization it, it it's a it's a crucial offseason uh, and who knows if they remain competitive or not there's just a lot we need to see happen uh, going into april's draft before we can really label them um, back in the contending spot or not luckily there was that seventh seed otherwise they would miss the playoffs completely and still get the uh, break speed off them by the packers every year still looking to that team uh, as far as the benchmark set by the nfc north but it's not all bad news mitch trubisky winning the nickelodeon valuable player he didn't get slimed though no <laughs> i feel like he's been slimed throughout his whole uh he got spit, spit on by his teammates he got slimed uh, yeah exactly in the uh, philosophical sense uh, <laughs> so that was weird enough seeing the nickelodeon game there and it kind of added to the the humor uh, of the game and then uh, the uh, what the fuck soundbite coming on during the broadcast that was captured by the crew and Nate Burleson trying to uh, make it more family friendly trying to uh, glaze over that we'll see what happens in the coming weeks with the Chicago Bears who are out of the playoffs the Saints move on let's talk about the rest of wild card weekend and the Bills squeak by and, and they're able to move on to the divisional round we saw the Ravens handle the Titans in a revenge game from last year and Lamar Jackson still that bad man, that rushing attack, just incredible from the Ravens and able to just really handle the Titans who look like they might do the same thing they did last year and, and threaten these teams and go back to the AFC championship. But the biggest story of that AFC playoffs was the Browns are good as they handled the Steelers who were unbeaten for so long during the regular season and who finished really poorly, I think one in five over the that last six-game stretch, including this playoff game where they went down 28 nothing in that first quarter. And essentially, Big Ben was not very good. Juju Smith had been talking that shit before the game, saying the Browns, Browns is the Browns, which Baker Mayfield clapped back at the end of the game and said, which was hilarious. And, and the Corvette song, I don't even know. I'm out of touch, Ross. Uh, you, you can take from there. But 
basically Brown's putting on a show and, and took the juju shit talking personally and, and, and saying that the Browns have had this drought for so long. They have done everything right as far as drafting quarterbacks and drafting talent defensively, which defense setting the tone pretty early on. Got a great one-two punch with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb uh, as far as the running game goes and saying the Browns are out here to shock the world and, and they want the Chiefs at this point. It was uh, super impressive. Uh, did you think that was the best showing of the weekend for the AFC, Ross? I do. And, you know, I, I was waiting to see which team, usually in these wildcard weekends, one team just kind of like rises up and like really shocks the world a little bit. And, and I don't think the Rams were that team. We'll talk about the NFC in a couple of minutes because that's a, um, you, you know, they, I, that could have gone either way, obviously. Sure. Um, but I was surprised the way the, the Browns played. I, I think I was more surprised in the way the Steelers just came out so flat um, with Ben Roethlisberger. And, and, you know, they looked sloppy early on. He started off with that fumble. And, and you know, yeah. you look, it looked like him and James Conner were both like kind of staring at the football and didn't even want to jump on it. And, and that was a huge play of the game right there. You know, okay, it starts off 7-0 seven, seven right off the bat. Then Ben just throws another awful interception right after that. And, and so, you know, credit to the Browns for coming out with the energy and and uh, and, 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 um, and taking them out. It, it goes to show you that when you have an opportunity to knock a team out the playoffs like the Steelers did the week before with the Browns, you need to take advantage of that. You, you know, in hindsight, Ben Roethlisberger probably should have played in that game and you know you should have took them out. That's a divisional rival, and you should have you should have stepped on their necks when you had the opportunity to. Because now the Browns came into that game uh, with a ton of confidence. I like their defense. Their defense is super feisty, led by Miles Garrett, who is uh, who's had an amazing season and has kind of turned a corner from the whole Mason Rudolph uh, incident. I thought Baker Mayfield was really good. Took care of the football. Um, had some uh, some clean, crisp passes. Their um, their their backfield is my favorite backfield in all of football. I get envious when I watch Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, run the football because I wish that you know the Bears had that similar situation. It probably would help Mitchell sure. Trubisky throughout his career. Um, but it's a fun team. Uh, it's a fun team to watch. I'm, I'm excited for Browns fans. They deserve it. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh is at a crossroads right now because I feel like Ben Roethlisberger probably should hang it up. As you saw him sobbing on the sidelines after the game. It, it kind of felt like he knew that that was it. And then we got word, I think, yesterday or today that um, their, their outstanding center, center uh, Marquise Pouncey, is, is retiring. Um, Huge you know, prematurely. Yeah. yeah, he's done. And um, it just looks like that, that window is starting to close a little bit in, in Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they do have some fun um, offensive weapons, in particular at the wide receiver position. But, you know, Browns move on. Uh, you know, good for them. Guess what? You get to see Pat Mahomes and, and and the defending champs, and you might get smacked in the balls. But <laughs> but you know we'll we'll see what happens. I, I you know I think the line right now is like uh, is is um, KC minus like ten and a half, mm-hmm. and um, that's pretty disrespectful to the Browns. So let's see if they sure. if they keep up with this us against the world mentality, and let's see if they can shock the world. Yeah, as Chase Claypool said, they might get clapped. By yeah. uh, Chase, in the next Chase round, Chase Claypool should just go be on a on a on a boat somewhere and shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> you, should. you don't get to say anything when you got your asses kicked by them. You need to go shut up and go on vacation 
and go sit down, young man. It's over for you. You don't get to talk trash about the team that is playing this weekend in the playoffs while you are playing video games in your house. Right. Or off on a boat in, in Cabo somewhere like uh, most yes. most yes. players will be at this point. So get you an Instagram girl and go chill out for a few weeks. Yeah, that would have been like Allen Robinson saying like, well, Drew Brees is going to get his, his shit kicked in next week and, and that is not going to happen. I, I am envious as well. Nick Chubb, who is a receiving threat as well as a rushing threat. I mean, it just in, incredible explosion by this Browns offense who hung 48 on one of the best defenses in the league and a divisional rival. Something to be said about that. And let's not forget too talking about old quarterbacks. Yeah. The, the Steelers are at a crossroads with big Ben, but now, you know, we may have seen the last year from Phillip rivers. He hasn't announced he's going to retire yet, but you know, him losing um, with the Colts against the bills playing a pretty close game too. We'll, we'll see those old guys who have been staples for so long. But let's move on to the NFC. As, as you mentioned, we saw the Rams beating the divisional champion Seahawks and taking all that that rivalry personally. These I like when these divisional games come in the playoffs too because you can kind of throw these records out and, and let these guys just come in. And the animosity between the Titans and the Ravens too. Um, you know, the Ravens will certainly be a tough test for um, the next divisional round as well. But... You saw Jared Goff gutting it out out there and that Rams defense looking like the Rams defense. We know Jalen Ramsey talking shit and, and went in and and beat a, a good Seahawks team. And Jalen Ramsey making that case for the the shutdown corner that he is and really shutting down DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and company. And then you see in the Washington football team and Buccaneers, the Buccaneers beating the the football team and Tom Brady, the old man, thrown for 381 yards and two touchdowns. Just really impressive stuff. And now, you know, we're looking at the divisional round. We got Saints versus Bucks, the old man bowl, as we see Drew Brees and Tom Brady going at it, which will be fun. And then the Packers taking on the Rams, which will be intriguing. And then Chiefs Browns, as you talked about, Ross, and the Bills taking on the Ravens. Uh, NFC, any anything shocking to you, Ross, as far as the wild card weekend went no i i think the most shocking thing is is you zoom out is um you got three old guys left you do you, you've got you've got two guys uh, above 40 years old and, and, and aaron Rodgers is knocking on that door and you, when you look at all three teams all three teams are, are serious super bowl contenders um so i think that's a surprising thing like you know and shout out to um, I keep calling him Heineken because I don't know the kid's name, but with the Washington quarterback. Um, I think it's Heineke. But, yeah, it's close. Heineke. Yeah. Um, but shout out to that young man for, Ooh, for doing out. the best. Yeah, for doing the best he could on on a Saturday and, and trying to make that a football game. But you know, Tom Brady is he, you know he's playing his best football of the season right now at the right time, and he's humming along, and that's going to be a fun fun matchup. I, I remember on this podcast, I've been saying for years, I wanted Braves versus Brady in the playoffs. I, I wanted in the Super Bowl. Well, at least we get in the playoffs, and that should be a lot of fun. But sure. you know, Aaron Rodgers has, has been on fire. He's going to win the MVP uh, this year as well. Um, but I wouldn't sleep on the Rams. And and if Jared Goff's thumb gets better, as, as it should from week to week, mm -hmm. um, and Aaron Donald is okay, he, he did leave the game with an injury, um, I could absolutely see that Rams defense going into a quiet Lambeau field. And I cannot stress that enough, that the home field advantage really, really, you could tell that it, it, it really does not matter in these playoffs. Seattle will tell you that because they miss their fans. Um, I can absolutely see in the Rams going there and wreaking havoc uh, against Aaron Rodgers in, in that in that Packers offense, 
And I think Cam Akers, if you get him rolling on the ground and he can, you know, get some chunks on the ground, don't sleep on those Rams. So to me, the NFC remains very, very wide open. Um, Whereas for me on the the AFC side, it's like, who's going to beat Pat Mahomes? Can you, can you score 40 with him? Is Buffalo able to keep up with that offense? Um, But I, I'm just excited to see it. Um, The games are going to be so much fun this weekend. Shout out to the NFL too, because the three games uh, a, a day on Saturday and Sunday was perfect. And we didn't get the greatest football, but we were entertained the entire day on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, when we're all stuck into a house, stuck in the house in quarantine, I, I loved it. I, it's going to be weird yeah. to go back to the two games this weekend because it's like, you know, I woke up on Saturday and Sunday, like super excited for that first game. And it went all the way through the night games. I mean, we were just thoroughly entertained for like 10 hours. And now it's going to be weird to kind of like only get those two games over the weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to be amazing. I, I can't wait for it. There should be really good games though. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And if you had to pick Ross, who's going to the conference championships and why, let me answer my own question first. I, I got mm-hmm. the two number 12s meeting each other. I got to take mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers meeting Tom Brady. We see bucks and mm-hmm. Packers for the NFC championship and then Chiefs Bills. I'm all on the I'm I'm in on the Bills with you over here and I I don't I, you know I think that the Browns and and Ravens are here for a reason, both really talented offenses and certainly great defenses, but but we're going to see those top seeds uh, clash at the top. I completely agree with you. I have got uh I've got those two teams as my final four as well. Um I have a futures bet in on the Bills winning the Super Bowl. And um, I have a futures bet in on a, on a Bills uh, Bucks Super Bowl. So I, I got to ride with that until one or both of those teams are, are eliminated. Um, but yeah, I, I think if those are the four teams that we get uh, to go into the, the final weekend before the Super Bowl, uh, I'm all in. I think, we're, I think we'll be thoroughly entertained. Hey, man, any, any more weeks of Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes? You can't go wrong, that's for sure. Let's move on to College Football National Championship as we didn't talk a ton of college football over the season. We only touched on it briefly, but, you, you know, you can't ignore the greatness that is Alabama and how incredible they were. They were favorites going into the game. And, you know, Ohio State playing half a season, it was questionable whether they earned that spot or not. But regardless, you you play who's in front of you, um, which was Clemson, and then you go ahead and get into the the title game. And it's always the same three teams that we've seen since the inception of the the, uh, college football playoffs. But, man, just beating the brakes off Ohio State, it was competitive for a quarter, I feel like. And then just started getting out of hand for Ohio State, got beaten 52-24. to 24. You saw Devontae Smith, who's the best wide receiver in college football, who's just incredible. He had 215 yards, three touchdowns. As you talked about earlier when we were talking about the Bears, Mac Jones, who balled out, he had five touchdowns and 450 yards, something like that. It was very Joe Burrow-esque performance for a guy who – you know, fits into this Alabama system who's playing, you know, with a, a offensive line who will, all of them will be going pro and the same thing with all the skill position players. Najee Harris, who had an incredible game too, who's such a good uh, recruit. This is this is a bunch the culmination of recruiting from Alabama, these guys from 2017 and Mac Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, that three-headed monster itself, as they kept talking about during the broadcast. 
really impressive. And, you know, you can't take anything away from it. Najee Harris giving Ohio State credit and Mac Jones and everybody else, too, that Ohio State was that best team in the Big Ten and, and perennially the same in the same breath when they recruit so well every year like this and great coaching around them. But, you know, you know, the biggest takeaway certainly is, is Devontae Smith. He might vault himself into that number two spot. Maybe the Jets would reach for him um, right after a Trevor Lawrence, who already said he'd declare. And then Mac Jones is, is such a intriguing guy right there where after a performance like that, is he going to be more like Tua Tungo-Vailoa or is he going to be, you know, a clipboard holder like A.J. McCarron, who was a national champion? And the guy has talent, if you ask me. I just wonder if he's got the pro talent. And I certainly get that he's surrounded by this this NFL talent around him. So what? who's to say he couldn't go in the first round next year or the second round and, and play a role in a team going forward and be that guy? Yeah, I, I mean, let's... You know, we'll start with the talent around him first. Uh, you know, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, who left that game early yesterday, he clearly wasn't ready to come back. And, and Najee Harris, Alabama just continues. You know, in the past, Alabama was known as that defensive school and training out the defensive backs and the big off defensive linemen and the linebackers. But, boy, they have turned the tide over the last decade, I feel like. And they have I see what you did there. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely uh, unbelievable offensive football players, right? You know, it started kind of with Julio Jones, and it's worked its way to the Jerry Judys of the world and Derrick Henry and even way back to Mark Ingram. And, right. you know, we can go so on and so forth. I think uh, Mark Andrews, tight end, you know, they, they just have put out absolutely terrific um, offensive skill players, except at the quarterback position. And you talked about A.J. McCarron. Didn't really didn't really make it. Um uh, he talked about Tua Tungalova. He struggled his rookie year. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt because I think that um, him coming off the injury plays a big factor in that. Um, but, you know, Mac Jones is – he becomes one of the most intriguing players in this draft because, you know, is he a guy that has feasted off of having elite talent around him or is he just a guy that knows how to do his job? What I mean is – you know, I, I think sometimes game manager gets a bad rap, but if a guy can protect the football, get the football to where it needs to be, make the right decisions, and allow the talent around him to do what they're supposed to do, does that make him a bad player? I don't think so. It, it probably makes him a least exciting player because he's not Justin Fields. He's not going to rip off an 80-yard run. He's not like a Lamar Jackson type of player. Yeah. But if that guy sticks around the league for 10 years and he gives you Let's say he gives you an Eli Manning type of career. Well, guess what? Eli Manning's got two Super Bowl rings, right? Or let's say he gives you a Joe Flacco type of career. Joe Flacco has one Super Bowl ring. Those are three Super Bowl rings more than than a lot of guys that that have been flashier, mm-hmm. IG um, uh, RG3 or even a Cam Newton or something like that. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to write off Matt Jones right away. I think he's an intriguing prospect. I, I know that in this day and age in the NFL – his lack of a speed and athleticism, athleticism is a concern. But if he is a super smart cerebral football player, like he looks like and he knows what he's doing, um, I think some team is going to take a flyer on him back into the first round, maybe in the second round, and they might get a uh, they might strike gold with it. Yeah, I mean, you, he knew when to run and when to pass. Certainly, he made some good throws under pressure. I think you know that one throw that I believe put him up. Uh, 14 or 21 to 7 early on uh, to Najee Harris when he was 
staring down a linebacker coming right at him. And the touch on his throws was just really impressive. And, and certainly momentum plays a big factor there. But, you know, for every guy out there who is a Lamar Jackson and a Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson, there's still guys like Aaron Rodgers out there. And Josh Allen kind of, you know, obviously he uses his feet a lot, but I think there's a place for Mac Jones in the NFL. What do you think about Devontae Smith? Is He's going top five, but where do you think he goes? Wow. If, well, listen, if Miami decides to stay where they are and they and they don't trade for Deshaun Watson and they run it back with Tua, how is Devontae Smith not the perfect weapon to to, to pair with Tua Tonalova? Got that guys right. from the same system, from the same from the same school. And if you want to help your young quarterback that you that you uh, drafted last year to kind of get better, you better go get him a number one wide receiver. I think that was something that was so severely missing this year for Tua Tungaloa. And Devontae Smith, to me, would work. Uh, he'd be awesome on South Beach. That would be the guy I look at. From the Jets' standpoint, the Jets got to get a quarterback. Um, they got to go out there, and they got to find themselves either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And I think they'll be able to take one of those two guys. But if I'm Miami, and Miami has two first-round picks, I do everything I can this year to put weapons around Tua Tungalova and to protect him on the offensive line. And I would run it back with him uh, next year and see what he can do. That's just me personally. I like it. Makes sense to me. He's He's got the skills, though. I know he's, he's a string bean out there, but good Lord, against that defense, he was unguardable for 12 catches, almost averaging 18 yards a catch. Uh, really, really impressive, and, and some physicality to him. He just needs to fill out a little bit, but he'll yeah. he'll be something else at the next level. He reminds me a lot of Marvin Harrison, the old uh, Indianapolis Colts wide receiver. Marvin Harrison wasn't going to wow you with his body or his athleticism, but God damn it, that, that guy was one of the best wide receivers in the history of the game. Um, super smart football player, always knew where he was. He needed to be caught everything, um, maybe shot somebody. That's that's neither here or there, <laughs> as uh, he got in trouble for that a couple of years yeah. ago. But, um He's got a lot. He's got a lot of Marvin Harrison vibes in me, and Marvin Harrison obviously is in the Super Bowl. And Peyton Manning will tell you uh, was a huge reason why he had a ton of success in his career. Right. Nick Saban getting his sixth ring. I, I think you know everybody on this Zoom meeting we're on. Being me and Ross thinks he's already the best college football coach that we've ever seen. You know, you you put a lot up there, but uh, yeah, I think he solidified it with that win against Ohio State on a Monday night, really impressive. And, and he could still win one or two more. They're not going anywhere. That's for sure. Right. I mean, these guys keep churning out. I, I made a joke yesterday on Twitter that there's just a factory in Alabama. They just churn out blue chip players. I mean, but you know, he, he's an outstanding recruiter. Um, and so is his team. And, and at this point, you know, if you're, if you're an elite football player down South, where it's Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, or whatever, you know if you want to make it to the NFL and win the national championship and get better, you got to go to Alabama. So, you know, yeah. he's, you know, he's kind of in the, in the, in the driver's seat right now, you know, especially as uh, Clemson loses um, uh, Trevor Lawrence and they're going to probably take a step back the same way LSU took a big step back this year. Nick Saban has got four or five star blue chip athletes like on the bench. You, you yeah. know, there's a guy after Devontae Smith ready to take over and be Devontae Smith. We've seen it time and time again. They, they've, you know, from Julio to the Jerry Judys of the world, to the Calvin Ridleys and stuff like that. They just keep churning out 
these off these amazing football players. It's it's just absolutely unreal. And that's just a testament to the program that he's built there. I don't know why anybody would ever want to leave that situation. He's yeah. a god down there. Yeah. His legacy is cemented for sure. Never has to pay for a meal in Alabama for the rest of his life. And again, circling back to the defense, like you mentioned, Alabama kind of being known for their defense before this explosion of offensive athletes, wide receivers, running backs, and Tua Tunga-Vailoa. But that defense showed up and set the tone pretty early on against Justin Fields, who is a guy who could go in the top five, who was a great quarterback, who had mobility and deep throws, but that secondary played well. The defensive line was nasty. Just a lot of a lot of blue chip prospects, as you mentioned. No shout out though goes to the Alabama fans though. Good lord, you can't, you can't just go out I and Tuscaloosa, no masks on, just yes. fucking everybody, everybody in a pandemic. That's, Ugh, disgusting. That's very on brand for Alabama. It is, yeah. We should expect nothing less. <laughs> No shout-out goes to them. <laughs> to the quick hits. Kyle Schwarber signing with the Nationals, and then Corey Crawford retiring with the Blackhawks. Man. Well, first of all, what are your expectations for, for Kyle Schwarber going with the Nationals? He signed like a one-year $10 million deal, I think. I know. Does this mean that he finally gets to turn into Babe Ruth like <laughs> Cup fans thought he was going to be? Basically, yeah. Um, no, listen. I, you know, I, I think Kyle Schwarber is a good is a good baseball player. I think he'll do fine in Washington. Um, it would be interesting if they can get the, his buddy Chris Bryant to join him there, be a trade. Oh, um, but I think Kyle, I think Cubs fans are forever indebted to Kyle Schwarber for his heroics in the uh, in the World Series. And uh, let's see if he can kind of resurrect his career a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think he's still a, a quality bat when you kind of platoon him. And uh, I, I kicked around the idea of, of, of him being on the, on the White Sox in a platoon situation, especially like DHing with Eloy Hammond. Yes. So yeah. um, I think he still has some good baseball left in him. Yeah, just from the hitting standpoint, we've seen how he's a very one-dimensional player in that aspect, though. But yes, like you said, Cubs fans are definitely indebted, indebted to him with the World Series heroics and the like. And, and just like the Blackhawks are with Corey Crawford, who retired after 10 seasons, had some Stanley Cups under him, some great goaltending, and some bad goaltending, of course, too. But now that's uh, the end of an era for the Blackhawks, and and who knows where they go from here. They just extended their head coach, but we don't talk a lot of hockey as usual. And we'll we'll see what happens with the Blackhawks going forward. That's probably you. the most underappreciated athlete in in Chicago sports history. Sure, um, just because he was he was always constantly compared to Antti Niemi, but. Corey Crawford was his own man, a great hockey player. And uh, just like Kyle Schwarber, Hawks fans are forever indebted to what Corey Crawford did during that run. And just the, the pure drunkenness of him at the parade, it was always a, a treat and hilarious. <laughs> very true, very true. And the NBA side of things, there's there's not a lot to unpack uh, early on again as, as we're just in the midst of the regular season and still seeing who's challenging the Lakers and – and the uh, and the heat of the world and the Celtics, but on uh, talking about contenders with Brooklyn, what the fuck is Kyrie Irving doing over here? I, I don't know if it's a mental thing at this point, but a lot of people are are wondering if he's serious in in such a good situation too. Like, there's only so many times you're able to you know look at the the time in Cleveland where you're able to play with the best player in the world and LeBron James. You're able to play with Kevin Durant, finally healthy. And you're looking like you could challenge for the East and he goes out and he doesn't feel like playing. It's very odd. And now he's not wearing a mask and there's an investigation underway by the NBA because they, 
they they like every other sport think that the health of the players is certainly very important and now what's up with Kyrie Ross yeah listen I, I pray for that young man's mental health first and foremost I hope that he is okay mentally um it is a very weird situation I think we're going to get a lot more details uh coming out and you have to wonder you know about you know a guy like Kevin Durant right who who signed there who left a good situation in Golden State thinking that you know, he can go out uh, on his own with this new super team and, and compete for a championship. And Kyrie Irving is is nowhere to be found right now. Um, and that's got to be alarming to a guy like Kevin Durant because he doesn't have a lot of time left either. I hope that Kyrie can get himself right. I hope that that he's got good people around him. Um, he also needs to follow the rules and, and wear a mask and, and stay away from these large social gatherings. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that falls out. I, I think the whole NBA in general um, – is, is kind of in a rut right now in dealing with this COVID thing. And, you know, the players can't get into a groove. The league can't get into a groove. And I think the fans can't get into a groove either because we don't know what game's going to be on tonight, right. you know, what, what the situation is. You know, the Bulls now have like six days off before their next game. And, and it's just a very odd situation that, um, quite frankly, I'm pretty skeptical to see if the league can even uh, – finish out this year it's going to be difficult for them right in, in a situation like that but but you hit it on the head too with Kyrie and how this is this is a mental thing and we know that he's a, a very unique personality a big personality and, and great for the the game itself but but you got to get your head right and certainly when you're putting your other fellow players at risk it's uh, it's a tough situation for Brooklyn to handle and for the league to handle right now too. And you talked about how the Bulls have this big layoff in time and how the schedule is getting threatened as well, where it's so hard logistically to figure out how to keep this schedule going going forward and and have a regular season, a normal regular, somewhat normal regular season without fans in certain cities right now. It's uh, something that we'll have to monitor as as time goes on here. And now the Trump situation, we'll briefly, briefly, briefly touch on that, how this president has uh, taken to Twitter so many times to express his opinions, but he won't be able to anymore. I guess that's the good news is that uh, he has been silenced on social media, but but not without one terrible incident uh, transpiring before that, too, with the occupying of the Capitol that we saw last week that was just really really scary stuff and something we hadn't seen before with these insurrectionists and and MAGA hat wearing folks and and right wingers and and whatever you want to label them as just really dangerous people and and how the capital was just not prepared for it just I would say you know we're we keep it positive we like to just touch on the the fun subjects the sports and and the media and things like that but uh, you got to keep safe out there and and certainly it was uh, something where what we learned from 2020 is we kind of want to be more more kind to our neighbors and something that we we when we when we're wearing these masks we certainly the message we're sending is we care about you just as much as you care about us and so it's a it's a bad situation to see and of course you know the one side of things too is the race part of this capital storming too is the police response to it was was not good because it was pretty much all mostly i should say white people storming the capital like that with no violent response if it was 
the opposite end of the spectrum in race, you can only imagine what the headlines would be like. It was uh, it was screwed up, and and our hearts go out to those who were in the Capitol during that. Both the both the media and the politicians who were innocent people who uh, were, whose lives were put in danger like that. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a very dangerous situation that was four years in the making. Quite frankly, yeah, this is what happens when you um, when you uh, you allow an individual who is clearly deranged, very narcissistic, and very dangerous to um, manipulate people and tell them lies and not be held accountable, and um, you know. Uh, allow a, a, I'll call it a small amount of people because it's, I I don't think it's a majority at this. Don't think it's a minority, but it's a very loud and and dangerous minority. And this is the consequences from it. And, you know, this is not all on Trump. This is on the, the uh, other uh, politicians and lawmakers who enabled him. Um, This is on the media networks who enabled him and gave him this large platform and allowed him to spew this nonsense and these lies and all this bad rhetoric. And, um, and this is what happens. And now America is embarrassed, um, as they should be. And now we're kind of left to pick up the pieces and see where we go from here. And, um, I think going forward, he should be held accountable legally. And I think every single person who enabled him and enabled this false narrative about you know the election should also be held accountable legally going forward. Um, you know, five people five people lost their lives, and that can't be forgotten. I, I watched a, a video where a Capitol police officer was essentially beaten to death. Yeah, you know, and it's like I thought blue lives matter <laughs> when when that nonsense came out, but apparently they don't in in this situation. And a young woman was shot in the neck. And just all this just absolute ridiculousness. So I, you know, it, it was not good to see the year start off like that. I, I think it was horrifying for everybody to watch in real time. And um, I just, I, I really pray that we can all get past this as a nation. And I hope that um, under Joe Biden and under new leadership, that we can all just come together and, and begin to heal. But also, you know, a part of the healing process is the pieces of shit who, continue to do this, they need to be held accountable. And it starts with all those people who were involved in that situation. The maximum sentence for, for what they did is, uh, is 10 years. Ironically, that was put in place by the same guy who told them to go there and do it in Donald Trump. And uh, they need to all be uh, put in prison for 10 years. We, we, some, some, uh, some lessons need to be uh, taken away from this and some, uh, some examples need to be made. Agreed there. I think that justice should be swift for these these people who acted recklessly and dangerously in the Capitol in, in a place that's really heralded in the Capitol, for that matter. And you're seeing it now, too, in the aftermath that they're getting tracked down slowly. Some people were from right here in Chicago and, and people that you might have known as your neighbors. And, and so it's uh, upsetting, but hopefully it uh, hopefully it is uh, the only incident like that for for some time and when we see more peace coming coming soon but uh a scary start to the week too we missed uh, dr dre when he was hospitalized ross but uh, the update is he's doing great now that would have been really brutal to lose the good doctor in uh, the first month of the year he's okay good to hear dr dre is, is doing okay he's recovering well um shout out to griselda we talked about last year they had a great soundtrack yeah. that they just dropped for a movie coming out um, and NBA Youngboy, 
who is 21 years old um, and now has his seventh child. Um, young boy, you need to grow, you need to be a growing man and keep it in your pants for a little while because <laughs> seven children at 21 is just That's absolutely absurd. Far too something. many. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. That's terrible. And RIP Tommy Lasorda, the Dodgers legend, who was an icon of the game, two-time world champ. He saw the Dodgers go out on top before his death this year. He had that, you, you uh, I think, on Twitter posted the Tommy Lasorda baseball game, the video game that is, which was really great. He, he was he was quite a character, and so he will be missed for that. Absolutely. You watching, uh, you're going to watch WandaVision this Friday? I will. I, I'm into it. I, I certainly like the concept. I, I think I like Paul Bettany in there, too, and uh, the Olsen twin who plays her, whatever her name is. And that'll be, she's not one of the twins. She's the off one. But uh, yeah, it should be fun to watch. It's a little one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It should be, yeah. I'm good. For, I'm excited for some good uh, Marvel content from Disney. Obviously, they're, they're coming off the high. That was the Mandalorian. So uh, they're, they're putting a lot of money into this project, as, as, they, you, wouldn't ex- as you would expect from any Disney Marvel project. And um, it's, it's good to see uh, good quality TV that we can check out again back in our homes. Yeah, 100%. We'll get some movies coming out soon enough as well. The James Bond movie coming out, and then the uh, Many Saints of Newark, the the sort of Sopranos prequels coming out before we know it, and we'll be able to watch it all new, in the privacy of our home. Yeah. We have a new, uh, new Denzel Washington next month with right. Robbie Malik and Jared Leto. Looks pretty good, too. So, yeah, some, some content is on the way. Yeah. I was unearthing some old shows, Ross, when we we had the Mac and Reed live show, our three-hour show, and I, I rediscovered that you dislike pasta, which is still sad but not surprising. Do you still feel that way, Ross? No bucatini, pappardelle, yes. no yes. gnocchi. I'm not a big pasta. Oh my I'm god! Not a big, I cannot tell you the last time I even had pasta. Oh. It has to be well six months. Oh, that's sad. So many good pastas out there. I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> I have to have it pretty regularly. Come on, you work out enough. You need your carbs. I'm just not a pasta guy. I never yeah. had, but I, I pizza. Yeah. Pizza is probably the closest thing you'll get for me for like from a pasta thing in that it's Italian. Yeah, that's fair enough. Play us out, Bill. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. Thanks, everybody, for listening in on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at the Real Evan Mac. Ross is at Ross Reed. Follow the Instagram page at Mac and Reed Podcast. We give you our predictions for the NFL playoffs. We'll enjoy those games, of course. And everybody be good to each other out there. For now, we say deuces. So long, everybody. <laughs>